All right, we have, uh, we've been going through the book of Revelation, and we're in chapter 20. And just to catch you up, uh, last week, or last time we looked at Revelation, Jesus came back to earth. And uh, he conquered the planet, and he took the beast and the false prophet, threw him into hell. And that was it. Done with the beast, done with the false prophet. But it's interesting, if you paid attention, didn't say that the devil was thrown into hell. So the devil-inspired beast was thrown into the hell, the Antichrist and the false prophet. But what about the devil himself? In this chapter, we learn about what happens with the devil. The fate of the devil, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So he's not done yet. Done with the false prophet. Done with the Antichrist. But there's still something to be done with Satan. But before we talk any further about him, something grabbed my attention. He's called the dragon. He's called the serpent. He's called the devil. He's called Satan. Why all these names? Is there any significance to them? So I did a little bit of research, and uh, I want to share with you what, what I found. So we're going to look at the title, the book it's used, and the significance of the name. First, the title. He's called the dragon. But here in chapter 20, it's not the first place he's called the dragon. You've got to go back to chapter 12. And so when I look at the context of why he's called the dragon in chapter 12... Let me read to you what I found. It says, The accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. The accuser of our brethren. So when you think of a dragon, when you look at the context of Revelation, it's this, the most ferocious of all beasts. And it's sent to, to destroy and to devour. But there's also this this evil metaphor associated with a dragon. Dragons are evil, at least in this culture. So, well, dragons aren't real, Steve. Well, that may or may not be. I couldn't say for sure, because when I read through the book of Job, and it talks about a, a creature that spits out fire who has scales that are impenetrable, maybe dragons were real. But one thing I do know is dragon, in the immediate context, is associated with the accuser of our brethren. So, if you think about it, Satan has given himself the job of being heaven's tattletale. He goes up there and say, look what Brian did. Did you see him just snap at his wife? And you call him a Christian. If he was a good follower, you should punish him for that. Brian. Ah, Brian. Oh, oh, Jose. Did you see what Jose did? He had a selfish thought. I thought he was yours. And on and on it goes. Well, that's his job. Jesus has a job, too. He's called our advocate. So it's kind of like we've got the defense attorney and the prosecutor up in heaven. And Jesus is the defense attorney. And Jesus says, Brian's mine. Brian's good. I got him. I got his back. Covered. I died for Brian. Don't worry about it. He's, he's good. Brian's good. Jose, he's mine. Covered. I got him. Well, what happens if you're not covered? I don't know. Have to go there another day. 
But today I just want to point out to you that Jesus' goal is to save you. And the dragon's goal is to make sure you go to hell. We've got the ultimate example of love and the ultimate example of evil right here in this concept. The dragon. Well, then he's also called the serpent. And again, he's called the serpent of old. This isn't the first place he's called serpent. In fact, this is the very first time he's introduced in the Bible. He's introduced as a serpent back in Genesis 3. You probably know the story. I'll read, to, read it to you in just a moment. But when I think of the story, the name serpent has to go with tempter and deceiver. So dragon to me is the accuser. Serpent is the tempter and the deceiver. Then we've got the word devil. That's a, a New Testament word. I don't know if we find the word devil in the Old Testament at all. I don't think we do. I did a quick look and didn't find it. The word devil comes from the Greek word diabolos, which means slanderer. And as you can see, it's the root for the word diabolical. Diabolos, diabolical. So when somebody's behaving in a diabolical fashion, they're behaving like the devil. And the word dia, diabolos means slanderer. As you can see, it's closely related to accuser. The devil's job is to make people look bad. Self-appointed. Nobody gave it to him. He's just evil. And he wants to make you look bad. So he's the dragon. He's the serpent. He's the devil. And he's Satan. Now, whereas the word devil, just as a New Testament word, Satan, it goes in both the Old and New Testament. In fact, Satan is a Hebrew word. Did you know you know some Hebrew? If you know the word Satan, that's a Hebrew word. It's not an English word. It's pronounced differently in Hebrew. It's Satan, but spelled the same. The devil, Satan. It doesn't mean devil, though. It means adversary and accuser. So in each one of these, there's something about what this guy is saying and doing. As the dragon, he accuses. As the serpent, he tempts. But as the devil, he slanders and is diabolical. And as Satan, he's the adversary and the accuser. In fact, that Hebrew word, Satan, means adversary, enemy. Whose enemy is he? Your first response is, well, he's God's enemy. Well, maybe, but not really. God doesn't have enemies in the sense that nobody threatens God. God's got no pressure. Nobody bothers God. He's our enemy. Scripture says your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's your enemy. And what a great job he has done with all these people who don't believe he exists. You know what? If you want to hurt somebody, you don't want them to know you're there. I read this article about people who carry concealed firearms. It said, debate versus open carry and concealed carry. And this one guy said, concealed carry is better than nobody knows. I want nobody to know how dangerous I am. The devil's got that down. If you don't believe in him, you don't know how dangerous he is. Well, in Revelation chapter 20, he's called the dragon, he's called the serpent, he's called the devil, he's called Satan. Jesus calls him a couple more things. I already told you he calls him a, a roaring lion. Jesus also calls him a murderer. And that's in John chapter 8. And he also calls him a liar. 
And that's also in John chapter 8. Here's the verse. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. So he's a murderer from the beginning and he's a liar. And the father of lies. He invented murder and he invented lying. Woohoo! How'd you like that on your gravestone? He's just the ultimate source of all evil. Listen, think of somebody who's evil. ISIS. Uh, Adolf Hitler. Think of evil. And they're just a disciple of him. He's the ultimate in evil. He's the source, the source of evil in the universe. Not a good guy. It says he was a murderer from the beginning. Well, who did he murder? He's an angel. He didn't murder any other angels. He's a murderer from the beginning. Well, I'm not going to answer that question for you right now. But in another page or so, you'll have the answer to that question. One of the key aspects about Satan is he's a deceiver. And I'm thinking he's got to be really good at it. You know, there's a, a, a magician. He, he may even still be alive. One of the most famous Amer American magicians. A, an amazing magician. He's the guy who made it his job to outdo Houdini. And he did. His name is the Amazing Randy. Anybody ever heard of him? A couple of you have? It's funny. He's so famous and none of us have heard of him, but we've all heard of Houdini and he out Houdini Houdini. You might have known about the Amazing Randy for some of the things he's done, which I'll share with you in a moment. But he's made this statement, and this is him, anyone can be deceived. If you believe that's a true statement, that includes you, and that includes the smartest person you know, if you believe anyone can be deceived, please raise your hand. Uh, almost everybody's putting up their hand. By the time I'm done, I think you will believe me, that anyone can be deceived. James Randi, the amazing Randi, was very famous for publicly exposing psychics and proving that they're phonies. And faith healers, proving that they're phonies. Now, wait a minute, Steve. You believe faith healing is phony? Well, most of it, yeah. Do I believe God can heal people? Absolutely. I've seen God heal people. I've been the instrument that God has used to heal people. I believe God can heal. But almost everybody you see on TV, they're phonies. There's a lot of phony faith healers out there. In fact, I don't think there's one real faith healer out there. Yes, there are people that pray and God heals. But all these guys in their convention centers and their Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets wanting your money, they're phonies. And Randy has made it a point to expose them. And con artists, he does the same with con artists. I don't know if you can see that, the image is kind of washed out, but you got three cards on a box. I spent lots of time in New York and I lived in Chicago. And here's something you see in Chicago and New York all the time. A guy on a street corner with a little box and three cards. He'll say, look, three cards. You show me where the queen's at, and you win the money. And he'll show you the queen. Pick the queen. You pick the queen. Ah, you got it right. Put down $5, and if you get the queen again, I'll double it, and I'll give you 10 You put down your $5. He switches them around, and he says, pick, and you pick the queen. Hey, you're good at this. Double or nothing. Put down 10 Put down 20 Double it, whatever you want. And you think, hey, I've done this twice. I got this. 
It's a scam. Mix up the cards and they show you, and you lost. Uh, try it again. You did two out of three, you'll get another one. And you lost. It's a trick. You can't win. Now, every once in a while, by accident, the person gets the right card or the person flubs. And you know what I've actually seen? Then they push the guy, take his money, and run. You can't win. And they've got other guys there in case the guy gets mad and wants to fight. The, the buddies are there to back him up. It's a scam. You cannot win. Randy exposes these guys. Ever heard of Peter Popoff? One of the first famous faith healers on TV. Randy watched him. He said, somebody's feeding him information. Peter Popoff would do this. Imagine you're in a stadium of 10,000 people. And he says, I, I've got, God is telling me that you, sir, with, with the interesting T-shirt, um, uh, uh, Jose? Is your name Jose? And the guy would be like, how does he know my name? Yeah, and you're from um, uh, uh, Compton? Uh, somewhere in Southern California? Yes, how did he know? And um, uh, that's your lovely, your, your bride Irene. By this time, everybody's just like, oh, he's the man of God. <laughs> and then he says, um, you're struggling with a sickness. And I, I think, um, I know what it is. You've got an intestinal problem. Yes! How did he know? Come on up here. God's going to heal you. And then he'd call him up and whack him in the head and knock him down. And he'd feel better and say, hey, I've been healed. Which is funny to me. Why do the faith healers always knock people down when they get better? And in the Bible, when people get better, they stand up. <laughs> Nevertheless, then the bucket goes. Now, he's done this to dozens of people. Then the bucket goes around. And everybody's throwing their money in the bucket because he's a man of God and he heals people. And Randy's like, somebody's feeding this guy information. That's a good trick. I'm going to figure it out. So he studies him. And Randy said, I don't know how they're signaling him, but he's getting data from somebody. Now, this is before our technology that we're very familiar with. He said, he's got to have a receiver on him somewhere. He had an in-ear receiver. But how did Randy prove it? So Randy got this state-of-the-art equipment. Again, nobody knew about this kind of thing. And he went backstage, you know, the guy pretended to be a security guard or something, and he had one of these machines that picks up random radio signals. And he's just messing with the dial, and all of a sudden he got uh, uh, Peter Popoff's wife's voice. Hi, honey, here we go again. Okay, the guy in the front row, second right, his name is Jose. He's the one with the interesting shirt sitting near the lady with the black hair. Yeah, he's from Compton. He's getting all the information fed to him by his wife. It's a scam. Well, how did she get the information? Well, when people come in, they fill out little cards, prayer cards. There's people in the lobby interviewing. Hey, hey, you're Jose. Hey, my name's Fred. Where are you from, Jose? And they write it down and feed it to her. It was a great scam. Made millions of dollars. He was exposed nationally. Another guy that was real famous back in like the 70s and 80s was a guy named Uri Geller. He was a self-proclaimed psychic. So we had the self-proclaimed faith healer, Peter Popoff. We've got the self-proclaimed psychic, Uri Geller. And how did he prove he had psychic powers? He would take a spoon and rub it and it would bend. Whoop. And the guy would feel the spoon. It's a hard spoon. How did he do that? Give me your house keys. He'd take your house keys, he'd rub them, and he'd bend the house key. 
Everybody was convinced Uri Geller was the real deal. He was on all the famous talk shows. Everybody was talking about him. Uri Geller, Uri Geller, he's the real deal. Psychic powers are real. Till Randy came along and said he's a phony. How could he be a phony? What makes you think he's real? Well, he bends spoons. Give me a spoon. They gave Randy the spoon. Randy did this, and the spoon bent. He said, I'm not psychic. It's a trick. I'm not going to tell you how I do it, but it's a trick. What about the keys? He bent my key. Give me your keys. Whoop. He says, he's a phony. I like the amazing Randy. I love it when he expose, exposes frauds. He's the one that said anybody can be deceived. Now, check this out. By the way, he, uh, Ted, Ted was telling me this morning, he reminded me that this guy had a standing offer of a million dollars if anybody can prove psychic powers are real. Nobody ever claimed it. So he trained like three men and sent them to a laboratory. I think it was MIT. I mean, some university that was trying to see if psychic powers were real. And he said, what I want you three guys to do is trick the scientists. Make them think psychic powers are real. And then when you're done, we'll tell them we tricked them. And that should make the point better than anything. And so these guys went into this laboratory, controlled circumstances, where they couldn't touch this and the doors were shut, so the scientists would know if they were being fooled. And these guys would do these amazing tricks. But obviously they weren't tricks because the scientists were controlling everything. It was the real deal. So they thought. And they would keep making the circumstances more and more difficult. And they'd keep going back to Randy and saying, now they turned off the lights. We used to see the little mark. Now we can't see. Well, now what do we do to trick these guys? And Randy would give it some thought. He'd say, go back and do this. And this went on for months. And finally, they went public and said, we fo fooled these guys. It was after the scientists said, we have demonstrated that psychic powers are real. And then these guys came out of the closet and said, we fooled you. And here's how we fooled you. Some of the scientists still maintain that psychic powers were real. They would not believe they were tricked. Their faith in scientific inquiry and methodology was stronger to them than the actual facts of the truth. See, they were scientists, but they weren't illusionists. So even though they set up the parameters, they didn't know what they were setting it up for. Anyone can be deceived. Now, if an amateur student of a famous illusionist, three of them, can fool the country's top scientists, I'm telling you, anybody can be deceived. Imagine what Satan can do. Oh, by the way, Peter Popoff, he's still doing his thing. He lost fame for a while, but he's still doing his thing. People still giving him money. Satan is much smarter than humans. He's an angel, a fallen angel. He's lived for thousands of years. He's smarter, he's more experienced, and he's powerful. If Peter Popoff can trick you, and the amazing Randy can trick you, what do you think Satan can do? Now, what's Peter Popoff want? He wants your money. What does Satan want? He wants your soul. And if Popoff can get your money, I guarantee you Satan can get your soul. Those stakes are so much higher. Well, one more thing I want to say, 
and then I'm going to give you a, a demonstration that anybody can be fooled. The thing that I want you to chew on, and I'll get back to this maybe a little later, people who are fooled don't know they're being fooled, or they wouldn't be fooled. That sounds silly, but it's deep. So you go up to somebody and say, man, you're being fooled. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. So how do you tell somebody who's being fooled and convince them that they're being fooled? Because their soul is at stake. Well, I was going to do a cool trick, an illusion for you. But I'm an amateur. We've got a pro in our congregation. We've got Theodore, the illusionist, who's going to come up and demonstrate how anybody can be tricked. Ted, why don't you come on up and, and show us how that, how that can be. Thank you, Steve. Anybody can be fooled. In fact, we probably wouldn't like to admit it, but we can usually pretty easily be fooled. We have an object lesson today of how easily people can be fooled when they're not staying focused on God and his word and they're relying on their own information. Before I begin this, I will need a volunteer. Would somebody like to come up and help me do this? Again, out of the sea of hands that are raised, like yesterday, <laughs> I need a volunteer. Someone has to come up and help me do this. Okay, right over there. The lady. Come and give her a hand, everybody. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of nervous myself. It's like I, like I told the congregation yesterday, it's been a long time since I've performed in front of an audience this size, but... What better group to perform for than people who have to forgive you if you mess up? <laughs> so I'm sorry, what, what's your name? Rondi. Rondi? Rondi, thank you very much. Now, Rondi, we have some cards up here with mysterious question marks on them. The question is, what's printed on the back? But before we get to that, what I'd like you to do is take all the cards off of the, off of the stands. Go ahead and take them off. And I don't have fingernails, so it's a little more difficult for me. There we go. <laughs> now go ahead and give them a good mix. Don't look at the back and don't show the audience the back, but mix them up real good until you're satisfied. That way there's no way I can know where any of them are myself. And when you're happy, just go ahead and put them back on the stands. Okay. Good. All right, so now we're going to make some decisions. And this is kind of, it's going to be like when Israel went against AI. They didn't pray and seek the Lord, and we're just doing a magic trick, so we're not going to pray, we're not going to seek the Lord. We're just going to rely on whatever information we have at the moment. So we're going to eliminate cards until we're only left with one card, Ronnie. And here's how we're going to do it. I'll let you go first, and you just point to any two cards, and I'll choose one to remove. So just go ahead and point to two, those two right there. Okay, I'll go ahead and remove that, and I'll give that to you. Don't look at it yet, but hold on to it, because we don't want people to think the magician's trying to trick anybody. <laughs> now, I'll choose two. Uh, this one here and this one over here, and you go ahead and remove one of those. That one there, okay, and you choose two more. That one and that one. We'll go ahead and remove this one. And I'll choose this one and this one right here. Okay. Kind of slide these closer together here. There we go. And go ahead and choose two more. Those two. And there you go. And then I'll choose two. I'll choose these. 
and there's two left, so I'll just go ahead and take this one right here, and we'll give that to you to hold on to. Now, we've arrived at one final card, a decision based purely on our own judgment, what we thought was good at the moment. Let's see how we did, but before we do, let's see what we didn't choose. Rondi, can you take the top card there and just kind of hold it up and see what it says on there? Yeah, we can reveal that. The truth, we did not choose the truth. And what is the next card? Oh, the truth, again, we did not choose the truth. And this card is the truth, and the truth, and again, the truth, the truth, and nothing but the truth. So every time we were fooled, based on our own assumptions, we did not choose the truth. Let's see what we did choose. Go ahead and take that card and turn it over. Two plus two equals five. Well, that's not good. That's not the truth, is it? And this is the lesson that we need to leave here with today. By relying on our own judgment and our own experience in the moment, we're never going to arrive at the truth. The only way we're going to arrive at the truth is by seeking God and his infallible word because God's word is truth. Everybody give Rondi a hand. Thank you, Rondi. Pastor Steve. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> How did he do it? How did he know that wasn't going to be the last card? I mean, she got to pick, he got to pick, she got to pick, he got to pick. All right. If he can trick you, Satan can trick you. I want to share with you three very common deceptions today. Now, most of you, because I know many of you, are going to agree with me that these are things that are deceiving people. But some of you will say, Steve, wait a minute, I disagree with you. I don't think I'm deceived about this. How do you know? We've already agreed that if you're being deceived, you don't know you're being deceived. Deception number one, evolution. Now, when I say evolution and people are being deceived, I don't mean you can't take a chihuahua and a German shepherd and put them together and make a German wawa. You can do that, all right? I, I'm not saying that's wrong. You can take a white rose and a red rose and put them together and end up with a pink rose. You can do that. But you can't take a German shepherd and turn him into a bird. Okay? So when I say deception of evolution, I'm not talking about changes within kinds. I'm talking about we started out with goo and it became you. That's not true. That did not happen. But all the scientists say it did. All our textbooks say it did. It's a deception. Well, Steve, I don't believe you. I don't think it's a deception. How do you know? People who are fooled don't know they're being fooled. The Bible says God made us. He didn't make us half human and half monkey. He didn't make us goo. He made you, you. That's the first deception I want to talk about this morning. Of course, I can talk for weeks about this one topic, but I'm not going to. Here's the second deception that's going around in our culture. Abortion is not killing. It's not a real baby. And so terminating it isn't a moral evil. It's just 
eliminating some unformed tissue. But that's a deception. You know, when the Lord talked to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knows people before they're born. So we say life starts at conception. That's true. But God knows about life from eternity past. And as the sign says, abortion stops a beating heart. Third deception in today's culture, gender is optional. This is a new one. The abortion one we've had for years. The evolution one we've had for years. This is a new one. In fact, if 20 years ago I got on TV and said, you get to choose your own gender, I would have been laughed off the stage. But now, people who say that's not true are laughed off the stage, mocked off the stage, ridiculed off the stage. I get to choose my own gender? If I shave my beard and put on a dress and feel like a woman, then I'm a woman. Well, if that's logically true, putting all emotions and feelings aside, if you gain some weight and drew a circle on your tummy and felt like a bagel, you're a bagel. <laughs> What's the difference? If you can change your gender just because of your mind, you can change your species because of your mind. Maybe you're a hamster trapped in a man's body. And maybe when you were growing up, you were abused and you found only comfort in a hamster. Your hamster was your best friend. If it wasn't for your hamster, you would have never made it. And so you associate with a hamster. By golly, you're going to be a hamster. And you're going to insist that everybody at work treat you as a hamster. And you're going to change your name to Mr. Biscuit. And they're going to pay you in sunflower seeds. And if people at work aren't sensitive to you, if they tell a cat joke, you get to sue them. How ridiculous is that? What's the difference? It's a deception. Wow, Satan's really good. Ted, you're never going to convince me I'm a hamster. You may trick me up here, but you're never going to convince me I'm a hamster. Satan's better than you. Good. good. <laughs> all right. Now, in all seriousness, and by the way, um, this whole transgender thing, there's a war within my soul over it in this regard. I'm angry at the stupidity of the laws that protect the foolishness of confused people. I feel really bad for people who are that confused. But don't tell me they're not confused. You know what they're saying? God's honest truth. I'm the one confused. Whoa, talk about a 180. One of us is confused, right? And yet they're saying it's the rest of humanity are the ones that are confused. Topsy-turvy. Satan's got us thinking right is wrong, wrong is right, up is down, down is up. It's insane. So let me ask you a question. How do we keep ourselves from being spiritually deceived? I don't want to talk today about being this kind of deceived. I don't even want to talk today about the kind of deceived where you get a phone call that says, this is the IRS, we need to confirm your last payment and you give them your social security number, next thing you know, your bank account's empty. There's all sorts of deceptions out there. And we need to learn about them. 
But the only one I want to talk to this morning to is spiritual deception. How do we keep from being spiritually deceived? Again, this could be a several week topic, so I'm just going to give you an overview of some of Satan's tactics that he uses, that if you're aware of them, you can keep from being deceived. Tactic number one, Satan likes to question God's word, challenge facts, sow doubt, confusion, and mistrust. That's one of his tactics. And we first read about this in Genesis chapter 3. I told you we'd read the story of the garden. Here we are. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? Is that what God really said? Sowing a little doubt, challenging God's word. Did God really say you, didn't he say you could eat from any tree in the garden? That's a tree in the garden. Satan really loves the fine prints. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, yes, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said you shall not eat from it, you shall not touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not die. What? Now he's not just being sneaky, he's just saying God lied. God says you're going to die, you're not going to die. First it was, did God really say? This is what God said. Okay, that trick's not working. Let me try the other trick. You're not going to die. He lied to you. Satan likes to question God's word. Challenge facts. Sow doubt, confusion, and mistrust. Be careful. There are people out there today doing the exact same thing. There are people who love Jesus and love God, but say evolution's true. But that's not what the Bible says. Yeah, but if you, you know, do this and that with it, the Bible might say that. Same with hell. The Bible says there's a hell. Lasts forever and people are going to go there, but we don't like that idea. So if you do this with that and look at it from this direction with the light just right and stick your tongue out, then say that. <laughs> so you've got to be cautious. Satan likes to question God's word. Challenge facts. Sow doubt, confusion, and mistrust. Tactic number two. Satan likes to appeal to reason over against God's express wishes. This one I run into so much. Oh, Steve, I know this guy. I've been talking to him about God, but he's just too smart. You know, he's a professor and he's got a PhD and an LMNOP and I don't know how to talk to him. They're so smart. See, some people are so smart, they've outsmarted themselves. And I say, it's very simple. I say, go to this smart person and offer to sell him your cell phone. Say, and I'll give you a good deal, $2 million. Because this is a one-of-a-kind cell phone. You'll never see another one like it. Well, what makes it so special? Well, I was working in a fabrication plant, and there's a big explosion, and this fell right out of the sky. I didn't have a cell phone. In fact, they weren't even allowed in the building, security. But that explosion put all the parts together and made this cell phone fully functioning. It's the one-of-a-kind. It's worth $2 million. Will you buy it? I say, that didn't happen. You mean a big explosion couldn't have made a cell phone? Of course not. But what it could have made is the universe and everybody in it. They've outsmarted themselves. Who is more advanced, the cell phone or the person who holds the cell phone? The person who holds the cell phone. So this could, have, could not have been made by accident, but I could have. You know that hamster I was talking to you about? That's more advanced than a cell phone. 
We've been able to make cell phones. We haven't been able to make hamsters. One single cell in that hamster is more advanced than this cell phone. We've been able to make boxes of cell phones. We still can't make a cell. Satan likes to appeal to reason over against God's expressed wishes or his word. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll be like God. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to the eyes. It was a good-looking tree. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate it. And she gave to her husband who was with her and he ate it. See, God said not to eat from the tree, but... If God really didn't want me to eat from the tree, why did he put it here? Right in the middle of the garden. And not only that, if he didn't want me to eat from it, he would have made it poisonous. But it's not poisonous, it's good fruit. He would have made it ugly, so it's unappealing, but it looks nice. Obviously, it's okay to eat from it. Besides, it would make me wise. Isn't wisdom a good thing? Isn't God wise? Doesn't God like wisdom? Doesn't he want us to grow in wisdom? Doesn't it say that he possessed wisdom from the beginning of his days? So it's a good tree. God put it here. It tastes good. It makes me wise. Of course I'm supposed to eat from it. Outsmarted herself. People do this all the time. Ask any pastor. They'll probably tell you something like this. Yeah, I'm going to divorce my husband. We don't love each other anymore. And I found this guy I really like. So I'm going to marry him. Well, you can't do that. That's against God's word. Well, yeah, but me and my husband haven't been happy for years. God doesn't want me to be unhappy for the rest of my life, does he? That's their reason. God doesn't want me to be unhappy for the rest of my life, does he? Well, whether he does or doesn't is irrelevant. The Bible says don't do that. We can talk about happiness under another conversation. We can't out-reason or outsmart ourselves. If God's word plainly says something, that's what God's word plainly means. The tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. It was desirable to make one eyes, uh, make one wise. It seemed reasonable to eat it. Five minutes in Satan's presence. And she thinks reason is more important than God. He deceived her. I'm telling you, he's really good at what he does. So I shared with you three of, uh, two of his tactics anyway. Uh, first one, question God's word, challenge facts, sow doubt, confusion, and mistrust. First one. Second one, appeal to reason over against God's expressed wishes. And the third one, Satan likes to tempt us through our desires, our needs, and our passions. Even our needs. So there's Jesus, fasted for 40 days. He was legitimately hungry. So at that moment, when he's extremely hungry, at his lowest physically, Satan shows up and says, Hey, if you're the son of God command that this stone become bread. If you're the son of God, he hasn't changed his tactics at all. Has God really said? He's doing the same thing. He has not changed his tactics in 6,000 years. We still fall for it. But not Jesus. Jesus said, get out of here. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that gets, comes out of the word of, mouth of God. Get out of here. And he left. Satan likes to tempt us through our desires, needs, and passions. 
What could he tempt in your life? Where's your weakness? Maybe if you just lie at work, you'll get promoted and start making six figures. Just little white lies, not a big deal. You know, you're only lying to an insurance company. They got lots of money. Why not? You know, if you just twist the, the facts on the mortgage document, you could sell more mortgages. Why not? Well, a friend of mine says men and women are almost always trapped up on the same three things. Pride, money, sex. Almost all of our temptations revolve around those three things. He hasn't changed his tactics a bit. Here's one that I, I pondered. Imagine you're at the end of days and Christians are getting beheaded left and right if they won't take the mark of the beast or worship the Antichrist. So the Antichrist or his minions grabs your little five-year-old child, holds a knife to its throat and says, take the mark or I'm going to kill your child. Might you be tempted to take the mark to save your child? Of course you would. You'd be tempted, but would you do it? Some of you would say, I can't let my child die. I'll take the mark. So you take the mark, and then the guy laughs and whacks off your kid's head anyway. That's Satan. Don't use your reason. Just do what God says. You shall worship no other gods. No matter what is presented to you, don't do it. And on and on. You just have to think it through. So, Satan told Adam and Eve that they wouldn't die. Have any of you met them? <laughs> you know, there was another tree in the garden, tree of life, that if you eat from, you live forever. He didn't tempt him to eat from that one. In fact, God didn't even forbid him from eating from that one. They ate the one that killed him. They're dead. And not only did they die, but every offspring they've ever had has died, with the exception of Enoch and Elijah. We all die. And I've shared this quote with you before. I love it. I'll share it with you more often. We're all going to die. Question is, are you going to die of something or possibly for something? That's what our brothers and sisters in ISIS-controlled territories right now are answering. Am I going to die of something or for something? Satan told Adam and Eve the fruit would make them wise. How smart do you think they felt right afterwards? made him stupid, just the opposite of wise. Thomas Brooks wrote this little poem. He said, Satan promises the best but pays the worst. Satan promises honor and pays with disgrace. Satan promises pleasure and pays with pain. Satan promises profit and pays with loss. Satan promises life and pays with death. Listen, anyone can be deceived. So what do we do? How do we keep from being deceived? I gave you those three pointers, which is a nice start. Jesus said this. He said, if it were possible, these false prophets that are coming would deceive even the elect. I find a lot of hope in that passage. He says, if it were possible, indicating that it's not. So we can all be deceived. But there's a group of people who will not be deceived about spiritual things. That's the elect. That's us. How is that, Steve? How is it that we're not deceived and everybody else is? Two things. Here's one of them right here. Jesus said, thy word is truth. 
You want to know the truth and not be deceived? Study the truth. God's word is truth. If you know God's word, you're not deceived about evolution. It tells you how we got here. If you know God's word, you're not deceived about the sanctity of life. You know the value of life. And if you know God's word, you're not deceived about gender. It actually talks about gender. But what about the great deception when Satan and the Antichrist are roaming the earth? Listen to what the scripture says. Let me get this on. You have had the Holy Spirit poured out on you by Messiah. And so you, all of you know the truth. As long as his spirit remains in you, you do not need anyone to teach you. For his spirit teaches you about everything. And what he teaches is true, not false. Obey the spirit's teaching then and remain in union with Messiah. A selection from 1 John. You will not be spiritually deceived. The big deception will not impact you if you study God's word and have his Holy Spirit. But I will tell you flat out, if you do not have his Holy Spirit, you will be deceived. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, thank you for showing us Satan's tactics so we can be aware of them. Thank you for showing us how we can arm ourselves and not be deceived. But the world is nuts right now. We're, we're incredulous at the level of deception and we're still not at the end. God, help us to be pushers of the truth. Help us to help people be Undeceived. Help us to be the amazing Randy in their lives. To point out the Peter Popovs and the Uri Gellers that they may not be deceived and that they will trust your son who himself is the way, the truth, and the life. There's one more big deception that I want to talk about and then we'll have our communion. It's probably the biggest deception of all, even bigger than the abortion one, bigger than the evolution one. It's the deception that's contrary to this one verse of scripture that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. If people do not believe that, they are lost. That's Satan's end game. Don't let your friends fall for it. Prove to them that they can be deceived. Let them know it's quite possible that they're deceived right now. At least plant the seed.